Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today we got a Q&A. Got a lot of good questions in the Facebook group that we will be going over today. A lot of good, long-form, situational questions for Cody that people have been hammering down in there good so we'll answer two questions today <laughs> yeah okay let's uh, i guess we only do three now <laughs> so yeah. it's like not that much of a difference but still i like ranting so it's all good what do we got all right so the first question is going to come from kate doster it says i'm planning to do my first powerlifting meet early next year and i'd like to lose about 25 pounds i'm around 190 now after losing 45 pounds in this last year do you think it would be better to lose the weight slowly this year in a slight deficit or be more, a bit more aggressive now in the first half of 22 and 2 than do a big reverse diet at the end? Does it even matter? Not sure if me being in deficit for nine out of the last 10 months affects your answer. I purposely ate at maintenance for the most of December this past year. Nine months of deficit definitely plays a role. So she said, okay, so she's asking this question and it's March. I'm assuming she asked in Maybe February, probably and, recently. Yeah, and Feb- February. Yeah. Um, and she said that she has a powerlifting meet when? Um, early early next year. Okay, so we got a year. Yep. To get ready for this powerlifting meet, um, so she's asking, should I be aggressive, get the result, reverse diet into the the meet, or? Go really slow with weight yeah, loss. So Mar- March first is when she asked. Yeah. So there's a couple layers to this. <clears throat> Number one, if there's three, there's three things I would bring up for this situation. Number one, if I was actually coaching you, uh, I would dig into that nine month period of you being a deficit because one hundred million percent being in a deficit for nine months prior makes a big difference. So number one, I'm going to say don't diet yet, regardless. The truth is, is, is you, if you have 20 pounds to lose, I would say that you could probably get that done in six months or less, you know, 20 pounds, in six months would be, uh, that's a pound a week. And that's four weeks of not losing any weight. Definitely doable for the vast majority of people. Um, and if it's not doable, it's because you don't have 20 pounds to lose. So I'm assuming that you'll, you'll be fine with six months, which means we still have at least 11 uh, months. Cause if it's at the beginning of next year, you have 11, if not a full year to get there. That being the case, I would probably spend another two to three months at maintenance just training hard and performing and trying to get your your powerlifting numbers up. Um, the fact that you were in a deficit for nine months, that's going to play a role. Um, I literally just put – I love when this happens. This is hilarious coincidence. I just put uh, an Instagram post together that I haven't posted yet. Um, but one of the things – so it talks about um, – you definitely should not start a diet if, and then it's like a bunch of different things, right? Um, one of them was, you just finished a diet or currently finishing a diet or have recently finished a diet, aka it's time to give your body a break. Basically, if you just got done doing it or you're doing it right now, you're wrapping it up, don't start a diet. Your body's not going to respond. This is why inside of our coaching, we have a three-phase fat loss system. It's our periodization plan. And it... it basically works with anybody. It's not even just fat loss because even if somebody's coming to us for a different pursuit, we're still going to use this approach for the most part. It just will be tweaked, but we go through a priming phase, a progressive phase, and a prosper phase. And the reason we do this is because at the beginning, whether we do this for two weeks or two months, we need to prime your body for fat loss. 
if you came to us and we know that you just got out of a nine-month deficit, we know for a fact your body's probably not going to respond very well, even if your body responds well. Physically, you see changes, and physiologically, we have no issues when we put you back into a deficit. I can almost guarantee that psychologically, you are not going to adhere well to the diet because you just got done spending the greater half of a, a year dieting. Mm. What makes you think that you're going to jump into a diet and, and you're not going to get stressed out, overwhelmed, or just not want to diet? You know, that's that's a, a toll on your body and on your mind that I think a lot of people forget how stressful a diet actually can be. Even from a standpoint of um, tracking, this is why for me personally – when I take diet breaks or maintenance phases, a lot of times it, it, it involves a lot of um, not using my fitness pal, just not tracking at all. If I go on vacation, I'm taking a diet break, I just don't track. I'm mindful. Obviously, I'm experienced, so it's easier for me to do that than most people. However, it's not being in a deficit that is as difficult for me as it is the, psycho, the psychological side of having to track and measure everything I eat. That's more of a burden on me than actually stress on my body. You know, My body can handle the stress easier. With that being said, I don't think jumping into a deficit, whether it's a small deficit or a big deficit, is probably smart yet. Spend another two to three months at maintenance um, or even just a slight surplus on some days before you jump into it. Now, the second thing I would point out, and obviously if I was working with you directly, it wouldn't just be a matter of, oh, you dieted, we're not going to do anything. It would be like, oh, you dieted. Out of those nine months, how, how long were you actually in a deficit? Because I, I had a question on my story the other day where somebody said uh, – Basically, they've been attempting to diet since uh, the beginning of December, and it hasn't gone well. Is it like, a, but I'm ready to commit? Is it safe to continue, or should I like pull back for a while? And my my answer was basically like, if you feel fine, and you can be honest with yourself, looking back and know that you weren't actually in a deficit by the end of each week on a weekly average basic from your calories, go for it, right? So in this situation, if you were dieting for nine months, but you were in a deficit like three or four days out of the week and then you would have like an off day and say fuck it and then the weekends you didn't track and you drank and you were in a surplus your weekly average calories were not in a deficit so the only thing that would be stopping you from adhering going forward would be the psychology behind it because your body didn't feel like it was in deficit because at the end of the week it wasn't yeah. you know um but that would be i'd be digging through that more if i had that information um now the other part of it is adherence now so let's say that it is safe to go into a deficit now or we take that two to three month period and we're like, all right, prep for this meet. You got to lose 20 pounds. It starts now. Which route do we take? Aggressive approach and then reverse out of it towards the meet or do we go very slow and sustainable over time? And number one is going to be adherence. What are you going to adhere best to? Because if I decide that, hey, I would rather cut pretty aggressively, lower the volume of your training and just try to maintain your numbers, reverse out of it and try to spend the however many months peaking and building strength into the meat. And that's the best scientific approach, but you can't adhere to that kind of diet. Then we're going to be spinning our wheels because you're going to go into it aggressively, not getting the result. And we're just going to be prolonging a 12 week diet into a 24 week diet because you couldn't stick to the plan, which I would have rather gone very slow and steadily for 24 weeks and built strength throughout the diet. So ultimately it de depends on your personality type, your lifestyle, what you can commit to, um, and your experience. Uh, the more experienced somebody is, the better I can totally. answer that question. Right. And it's the same reason why anybody who is going into their second or third powerlifting meet or their second or third bikini or bodybuilding or physique competition, it's always a much easier time to diet. It's yeah. a much more predictable diet. Um, and it's a much more predictable result, right? Especially with physique. I had this conversation with a bikini athlete I'm coaching right now. And it was kind of like, what, like, what am I, what's my goal weight for this? Like, what are we trying to hit? It's like, I don't know. You've never been stage lean. 
you know, you've been really lean, so we know like at least what we're going to hit, but we're going into uncharted territory. So there's no way for us to say, this is our goal weight. It's more like we're trying to accomplish this physique and we're just going to keep going until we get there, you know? Um, now for powerlifting, I personally prefer a slow, sustainable approach. Um, I've watched female powerlifters that I've worked with actually. Um, I've only worked with female powerlifters actually now that I think about it. Um, I've worked with powerlifting males who weren't competing anymore uh, many times, but the only time I've ever actually helped people com- like prep for a comp, they've been, they've been women. And uh, I like a slow, sustainable approach and I've watched them hit new PRs, build strength and win meets because we were dieting slow enough to where they could still progress in the gym. And the truth is, is that strength is primarily neurological. So as long as you're not completely depleting your body of carbs or energy, um, and you're not doing too much junk volume, like stick to your training program that your coach provides you and make sure that they're not putting in a bunch of fluff. Like this is not a time for power building where you're throwing in bodybuilding accessory exercises to build muscle, but rather put in accessory exercises, not isolation, but accessory exercises that you need to use in order to bring up your weak links in your lifts. So if your bench press, uh, your lockout sucks in your bench press and that's your sticking point, then yeah, you should be doing tricep accessory exercises, isolation exercises, basically to build your triceps because that's going to help you with that lockout. But you have no business doing a bunch of bicep curls and lateral raises if they're not going to help you build up your bench squat and deadlift, right? It's, it's, unproductive energy uh, wasting it's not energy but yeah yeah i mean you'll build muscle and that's great but you're just wasting energy right so slow sustainable diet in my opinion is always better because you can just inch your way through the fat loss in 20 pounds you could extend that over six to eight months and just go super slow and then just be ready by your meat and yeah. that's like going in a very small deficit that's you when know? you have 12 months to hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing too, is I probably would start at maintenance and add cardio because you can add low intensity cardio. It's not going to affect your strength gains. It's not going to take away calories from you, but it is going to create an energy deficit enough to burn calories. Um, and if you're rotating the type of cardio, like you're not just doing 30 minutes walking on incline treadmill at the same speed every single day, your body won't adapt to it too quickly. I would probably go with that route and then adjust the diet as I go um, and just plug in refeeds. You know, as long as you have refeeds in there to make sure that psychologically you're getting a break from the diet and you're replenishing glycogen as needed, I think you'll be fine. Totally. So that's the route I would go uh, <clears throat> just based on what I, information I have. Totally. All right. Let's go to the next one. It's from Nikki O'Day. It says, do you have any info or what info do you have in regards to altering workout routines or nutrition around menstrual cycle? We've answered this one a few times in the podcast. I feel like this is a very, very common question asked. Um, it's a big deal. It isn't. It isn't. I think people mm. think it, you know, kind of like what I said last time was basically like, I think there's value. There, there's some science behind this idea. Um, and, and you know what? Just so like, I'm just going <laughs> to give a shameless plug real quick. Um, we have recorded, what episode is this going to be? 800 almost? I mean, oh. it's 700s, but. We were climbing through the 700s, right? Yeah. Almost at 750, I think. Point being is there's a lot of fucking episodes of this podcast. Um, Go listen to them. You know, I'm going to give you some context to this question. I'm going to answer it quick. 730? Yeah. So I'm going to give you some context to the answer to the question. But the point is, is I think I've almost answered every single question. And it's in for a few things. You're going to hear me answer it in different ways, different perspectives. And as the science has changed, because we started this podcast like three or four years ago. So 
we've had so many good guests. We've had so many good Q and A's. We've done so many topics. Um, some topics that I could probably recreate now that would be great. Um, like the fat loss series or the muscle growth series, the program design series, like we've done so many, but I just want to encourage everybody scroll back and listen. There's so many gold gems in there. And I think the more you listen to the episodes in the, in the back, the better you could literally, you could set out to listen to one podcast from me a day and you would literally have two years of podcasts to listen to two years. You could listen to me every day for two years straight. That's crazy. But my point is, is if you dig through those episodes, you're going to find so much free guidance on so many of these topics. So, um, and I'm only thinking about this because I have answered this question probably like three times in the last few months. And, uh, and obviously it's something that people are very focused on, but, um, go back and listen. There's going to be so much good stuff and it's going to bring up new questions that you probably never thought of because you hear me say different things. But, um, in general, I don't think people should focus on this as much, um, uh, I gave a much more in-depth answer a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to get into it. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of different things out there that make people really, really buy into this. Uh, Like seed cycling is something we've talked about recently, and that's complete pseudoscience. And a lot of people dug into that because they wanted to help fix their menstrual cycle and their female hormones. Seed cycling, there's no science to prove it whatsoever. Um, My opinion is that people are probably not eating enough calories. So their hormones start getting kind of shot. They're not eating healthy fats. Then they go through seed cycling. Their calories go up because they're eating a bunch of nuts and seeds and they're getting a bunch of new healthy, good fats that they haven't had before, which is going to have a very profound effect on your hormones. Um, but it's not the the rotation of special seeds. It's the increase of fats and calories. Um, and I think the, you know, the truth is about uh, adjusting your diet or your training for your menstrual cycle. There is some, uh, theories and and hypothesis that are based on science, but I'm unaware of a lot of research that shows like XYZ dietary changes during this phase of the menstrual cycle is going to lead to blank result. Like, I don't think there's much research on those things. I think there's research showing the fluctuations of estrogen, progesterone, these, these female sex hormones. And we can theory, like we can create a hypothesis of how to adjust the diet in order to optimize things around that window, right? Um, Or optimize recovery, right? Like there's certain, and that's one I would say, like I think there is some uh, good strategies you can use in order to implement diet breaks or deload weeks around certain weeks of the menstrual cycle because your body's gonna be going through more stress and needs more recovery. If that's the case, then maybe you take a deload week that week. There's also some science to show that um, injury risk is higher on a certain week, uh, phase of the menstrual cycle. So maybe you line up your deload with that phase so that you're not doing heavy deadlifts from the floor and things like that when you're more susceptible to injury. There's also a period of the menstrual cycle where you uh, are actually energy levels and your ability to lift heavier are actually better. But now we're, we're fucking just, there's just so much going on here when the truth is, is like overall training volume, lifestyle habits, and calorie control are always going to override all that. So if you start worrying about these minor details, I think you're missing the forest for the trees. And now you're, you're getting overwhelmed with semantics instead of just focusing on the basics, right? So unless you're a very, very seasoned vet in this stuff, I don't see much applicable value in worrying about this too much. I think that the only thing that I have really used, uh, I could say multiple times, I've used all of the above because certain people do need it and certain people don't get overwhelmed by it. They actually like the science geeky shit like that and we've implemented stuff. Um, Because I've worked with 
female coaches who are really into that and I actually work with them. I write their training, their nutrition, and they bring some of their science on this and we work together. It's a collaborative effort. But for the most part, the thing I've used the most is just lining up diet breaks or refeeds with the right time to make sure that we're giving a little more flexibility because we know they're going to be hungrier and have more cravings during that time anyway, and we line it up. Some women don't even notice their cravings. It's just not that strong. Mm-hmm. They're, they don't they don't PMS really hard like that, and they don't have those issues. Other women do. We have to line it up. So I think it's individually dependent, uh, but a lot of times I don't put too much focus or attention on that yeah. detail in general. Um I think you should just really, really focus on the basics, honestly. Totally. Most of the time. So, All right, cool. Um, we will go on to the next one from... Uh, it's going to be from Val Leak. It says, hi, guys. I have just finished my bulk. It started in August last year and ended on February 1st this year. I haven't tracked since February 1st to give myself a break. I'm thinking about starting a cut in April. Do you reckon this is okay or should I start earlier? Okay, so give me the dates again. She finished. I've just finished my bulk. Okay. It started in August last year. Okay, so how many months is that? August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Seven, Seven months. months. Good. Most people are like, oh, I went on a bulk. It was eight weeks. And I'm like, yeah, it's not long <laughs> enough. <laughs> I haven't tracked since February 1st to give myself a break. I'm thinking of starting a cut in April. Do you reckon this is okay or can I start earlier? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've been in a bulk that long, there's just no reason. So there's, there, I mean, there's a couple theories here and I'll use a, a kind of like a case study example because I'm transitioning a, a female client from a bulk to a cut right now. And um, actually just shared her on my story. You know what I didn't do too? The the one, you know, the one you responded to, you responded to one of them. I did three on my story of the client check-ins and it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, Darshini is uh, the one who is going through a gaining phase, and she's female. I didn't put how much weight she's gained, mm. which was stupid because she's up like, fuck, she had, yeah, I think it's like seven or eight kilograms, which is seven times 2.2, 14, 15 pounds. Mm. It's a good amount of weight for a female. But like when you look at her, you're like, that is muscle because yeah. like glutes, hams, everything's bigger. But from the front, you can actually still see a little bit of her outline of her abs. She's not overweight by any means. Um, and so I said, like, you can clearly tell, but it makes it so much more profound when you hear like how much weight she's gained. Cause most women like she gained 15 pounds. What? You know, like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a, uh, I've, I've used this. I don't know where I heard this theory or if I just kind of came up with my own theory based on, uh, the science with like reverse dieting and stuff like that. But when taking somebody, I think there's, there's value in periodizing your diet, for the transitions, whether you're going from bulk to cut or cut to bulk or anything, I like placing a maintenance phase in between. So I don't think there's anything wrong with you diving into a cut now, especially if you took the month to just not track. However, what I would do is I would track, like, let's say like you're not tracking. You ask this question, you're like, I haven't been tracking. Cool. Give like track the last three days in, in my fitness pal for me. And if you can honestly say that's about what I've been eating normally, and then you can gauge like, okay, what's the average caloric intake here? Just so you can see like, were you still, like you didn't track, but you were still in a surplus. You didn't track, but you were more like at maintenance. Did you accidentally fall into a deficit because you were tired of eating a bunch during the bulk? That would play a role in how I would program this for your diet. But I do think there's value in putting in a maintenance phase to just kind of transition into the cut. Because if you go from cut right to bulk, there's a good chance you're going to gain 
a little bit too much body fat in the process of trying to gain muscle. If you go straight from a bulk to a cut, I would also say adherence is going to be hard and your body might actually lose a little bit of muscle tissue. I can't be 100% sure, but the way I've always looked at this, and there's no studies to prove this because they're not going to fund a study on seeing the best way to transition from a bulk to a cut. They just, I mean, they might now. There's actually a lot of research coming out on bodybuilding nowadays, but um, back in the day, they wouldn't spend money on that. And it's cost a lot of money to do studies, surprisingly enough. But what I would say is like, your body is always trying to find homeostasis, right? This is why metabolic adaptation happens is because you go into a deficit and then your body's trying to acclimate to these, this new caloric intake. And it's like, how do I adjust my physiological processes, my metabolism, my need, my cell turnover, all those things in order to survive with this amount of calories. And if it gets too low, it'll even start cutting out menstrual cycle. Women will start losing their hair. Men will lose their hair too. But that's where we start having issues with our thyroid and our hormones because our body's trying to survive on way less calories. And that's what it has to do is get rid of processes it doesn't technically need in order to live. Um, you don't need your period to live. You need your menstrual cycle in order to reproduce, right? So that's why the female triad and uh, reds happens. But I think it happens in, on the way up too. Like it, to me, why wouldn't your body be trying to find homeostasis on the way up too? So if I go into a bulk and my body is a, trying to adjust to this new caloric intake, this new body weight, I kind of like the idea of let's say she built her calories up to 2,800, like that was her bulking calories, which is a good amount of calories for most women. And then we, we want to find like a, a maintenance before going to a cut. Maybe we drop 200 calories, nothing crazy. It's definitely not going to put you in a deficit. You're not gonna lose much weight, but you'll lose a little bit of water weight and maybe, maybe a little bit of uh, glycogen, but probably not much, but you just cut a little bit just so you can find like a comfort. You don't feel like you're stuffed. You're a little bit more hungry now. Like you find a good baseline, stay there for a little bit. See if that is your maintenance. Try to find that maintenance. So one, you know what to program the deficit from because you got to create a deficit from your maintenance calories. If you're in a surplus, you're not at maintenance. So you're creating a deficit from a surplus, which is probably going to be inaccurate. And it plays a mind game on you. You drop 300 calories because you assume you're going to a deficit, but you'd barely lose any weight, if any at all, because you were in a surplus when you made that caloric reduction, yeah. right? Instead, bring it down a little bit, go to a maintenance phase so you can have a better idea of how much to pull calorie wise to start the deficit, but also so your body can get used to holding that muscle tissue. I think there's value in saying that like, okay, I've built this muscle now let my body sit with it for a little bit. Like, let me create homeostasis with this. The, the reason advanced bodybuilders who have been training for a long period of time have, they're known to be so well conditioned, everything is because they have a level of muscle mass that is going to retain way better. Why? Because they've been doing it for longer, obviously, but they've spent more time with that muscle on their body. Now they've spent years and years, but even in their off season, they don't put on as much fat. They stay up with their muscle longer. I think there might be value in going to a maintenance for the psychology behind it to create a better deficit and to potentially maintain some more of that muscle um, before jumping into a deficit. Um, so my point is, is if all of February, let's say that you, you didn't track, but you were at maintenance and you feel good about that, 100%, jump right into a deficit. Um, if you weren't, maybe you were still in a surplus or you accidentally fell into a deficit, stay at maintenance for a little bit longer, maybe three to four weeks and then jump into a deficit. Totally. Um, and my advice would be to create a pretty aggressive a deficit. Mm. I think a lot of people who go into a bulk for a long period of time um, fail to realize how big of a deficit they have to create because there's that range, right? Your, your old maintenance might've been 2,000 calories, but you bulked up to 2,800, like- 
your new maintenance is probably going to be like it's not at 2800 even if you're not gaining weight anymore it's probably going to be just barely above 2100 because think about it if you if you were at maintenance at 2100 and then you spent however many months bulking she said seven eight months and maybe you put on five pounds of muscle five pounds of muscle isn't so metabolically active that it's pulling hundreds of calories per day to to uh maintain on your body Mm. maybe 100 so you might be at 2200 right which would mean that you would have to go from 2800 all the way to like 1800 in order to actually lose weight right not always the case sometimes it might be 19 or 2000 it might be just a little bit below the old maintenance but it could be but it could be and a lot of times it actually is right so this client that i'm working with right now she's on month seven of her surplus as well and we're uh we're transitioning to maintenance next week and we're going to sit there for a few weeks just to kind of recalibrate and see how her body does see how she feels make sure she's ready to go into the cut from an adherence perspective because she'll be eating less and she hasn't eaten less in months (laughs) Um, at least seven yeah and then we're going to take an aggressive approach the plan is to really get after it and spend a good amount of time in a deficit but like good amount of time as in like three to four weeks of like aggressive get after it not enough time to metabolically adapt too much not enough time to waste any muscle tissue um but just enough time to lose a good amount of fat and see noticeable progress. And then right when she's probably feeling lethargic and training starting to go to shit in the gym, we're going to bring her back up to maintenance for a week or two and then drive her right back in mm. to a deficit. You know, So that's how I like to approach those ones, um, especially because in my experience, if you stay in a bulk or a gaining phase for a long period of time, you get pretty comfortable eating a good amount of food and your training's really good, your stress management's good, your sleep is good. A deficit is just not easy. You notice how difficult a diet for fat loss is when you've been bulking for a long period of time. So I tend to like to get these like mini aggressive phases and then take some diet breaks more with those kind of clients because I think adherence is going to be better. Yeah. So totally. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. All right, cool. That was the last one for today. Um, do we have any announcements for this episode? Uh, no announcements outside the normal guys. Uh, if you need any supplements, as always check out firstform.com slash tailored coaching method, you can get free priority shipping and you can try out some of the best supplements in the industry. Um, and we've been putting out a lot of great content on the website. Um, so we've been dropping more blogs as of late, uh, this year, really, we just picked blogs back up quite a bit. So we've had a new blog every single week, almost all year. Um, so go check out that. We got a couple more really cool blogs coming out. Uh, we have the, um, I'm not going to call it the ultimate guide because we have a lot of like, that's like a very catchy name for a blog, yeah. the ultimate guide of blank. Um, however, Brandon put together, uh, our CSO put together a really, really informative article on fish oil, which is something I've been wanting us to, to cover. Um, and we'll cover it on a podcast soon too, because I think that it's a very, it's been a popular supplement for years. And there's a, I mean, there's just so many claims that I think some of them can't be that I think it might be... Uh, it's got to be one that's not true. Not that it's not true, but it's like it's makes it doesn't make such a significant impact that it's something you really should focus on. For example, uh, like, I mean, it's going to help your skin. It's going to help your eyesight. It's going to help your metabolism. It's going to help your joint inflammation. It's going to help your cardiovascular health. It's going to help your memory. I'm like, okay, one of those has to be like, you got to take minimal. 20 fish oil pills for it to actually do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a benefit there, but you're not really going to see anything. Um, so I'm excited to go over that one, but he, it's written up already. We're just waiting. Uh, we're just editing it and getting it ready for the blog. Uh, so you can check that out soon. I just dropped the uh, intensification techniques blog that is uh, coincided with the podcast. Hallie dropped a really good uh, habit one as well as a kettlebell training guide. 
Um, we have the ultimate guide to low calorie foods coming out. We got like so many in store. So uh, go check them out. Yeah, we're trying to crush the uh, the blogging game once again because that's how this whole fucking thing started originally. So go check out the blog, taylorcoachmethod.com slash blog. And if you like that kind of content, make sure you check out the free guides as well, which is on another page of the website, tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash guides, all of which are completely free and super, super helpful. Um, that's about it. So as always, we appreciate you guys. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating review on Spotify and iTunes. Go over to your Instagram story and post a screenshot of the show on your Instagram story so we can thank you for listening uh, and share it online if you tag me at Cody McBroom. Um, and as always, we will catch you guys next time. <laughs>